we'll call this meeting to order. Roll call. Uh, Russo? Here. Victorious? Here. Parker? Here. Crisillus? Here. And Carlson? Right. For the opening statement, the Board of Adjustment is a quasi-judicial body created by the City of Iowa City according to state statutes. The Board's purpose is to decide on applications for variances from the zoning ordinances, appeals of decisions of city officials, and applications for special exceptions requested under the zoning ordinance. The Board of Adjustment is an independent volunteer board made up of Iowa City residents and is not part of the city administration. We are assisted in our work by the City Attorney's Office and by planning staff. Prior to this meeting, board members received materials submitted by the applicant, the staff reports, reviewing the application and any correspondence submitted by members of the public. Board members have not discussed the application or its merits with each other, staff, the applicant, or any member of the public in advance of this meeting. All consideration and discussion by the board takes place in open meeting here tonight, where we also have an opportunity to hear from the public. The board bases its decisions on facts and evidence allowed by city code presented in open meeting. Concise and truthful testimony helped us a great deal in our decision-making. We ask that if you wish to speak, that you come to the podium, print your name and address on the sign-in sheet and speak clearly into the microphone so your testimony can be heard by all present, present and by our minute taker as all testimony becomes part of the public record. We ask that the proceedings be orderly and then when you're testifying, you address your marks to the board. Um, if this hearing becomes lengthy, we may ask that testimony be focused on new facts or information not already presented. In order of proceedings for each application will be an oral report by staff summarizing the issues of the case and the staff's recommendations, an opportunity for the applicant to speak, an opportunity for any other interested parties to speak for or against the application, an opportunity for final statements and arguments by the applicant and staff, the board will discuss any, any issues and evidence status findings and vote on motions. Motions are always made in the affirmative. All right. We are moving on to number three uh, on the agenda, special exception item EXC 21-0015. This is an application submitted by Southgate Companies requesting a special exception to allow an indoor self-service storage use in the community commercial CC-2 zone at 947 Highway 6 East. The public hearing is open and we will now hear from staff. Okay, Bryce, you can see my screen, correct? Yep. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So our first item tonight is the special exception EXC 21-00015 uh, submitted by Southgate to request a special exception for self-storage uses in a CC2 zone uh, at 947 Highway 6 East. So the property itself is the former Slumberland site that's in the Pepperwood Plaza commercial area. Uh, it's also got the post office right next to it. Um, most of the areas around it, I have the aerial up, uh, most of the areas around it are other commercial uses. There are some institutional uses that are in that Pepperwood Plaza area as well. Uh, and then there's some residential uses to the south. The zoning also generally reflects uh, those uses. So it's pretty much CC2, that community commercial, uh, to the west, north, and east. And then to the south, it's low-density multifamily residential, RM12. So Southgate has applied uh, as the property owner. Uh, like I had said, the, the 
former furniture stores around 39,000 square feet. The post office that is also in that building will not be affected by the property. So this is only for that uh, former Slumberland site. And the applicant is proposing to rehabilitate it uh, into two stories of self-service storage uses uh, with a wrap of about 2,700 square feet, square feet of small commercial storefronts along the north building facade, uh, which is that front entrance from the parking lot. Uh, and then there's also a potential for additional commercial space above it. Uh, again, the property CC2, which allows self-service -sort, self storage uses by special exception. Uh, and that was actually made an allowable use uh, on September 21st. So that was another application that was submitted by Southgate to allow these uses uh, with some criteria that we'll be going through tonight. Uh, the applicant did hold a good neighbor meeting on October 4th. Uh, 12 folks attended, uh, and all of the, the notes from that are included in your agenda packet tonight. Now, just to help orient you, this is looking south at the Slumberland store uh, from the parking lot. So that is the north facade, which is also the front facade or the primary area. And then there's the post office. This is looking southwest, which is adjacent. That won't be affected by the... Uh, by the proposed project. Uh, this is along the front building facade looking west. So you can see that there are some planters in front, there's some pedestrian area in front, and then you can also see that there is uh, some open uh, outdoor space underneath uh, a covered area. And then this is looking northwest from the rear. So it's, it's uh, pretty unadorned in the back. There is a protrusion which has um, which has its existing loading area. And as part of the project, they would fill that in and it put a small addition there that would allow for covered parking uh, as people were unloading. So they would use that existing loading area. Here's the site plan that was included in your agenda packet. This is the first story. It's a little, I should turn it like that for the audience as well. It's a little hard to see just because of the faint lines, but on the south side, you have those commercial areas about 2,700 square feet again, and you can see the outdoor uh, dining area in orange. And then south of that, uh, the rear, the rest of the building would be those self-storage uses. And so that continues up onto the second story as well with roughly the same floor plan. They've also submitted elevations which were included in your agenda packet. So you can see the front facade, which is the north facade. Uh, and then the, the south rear facade as well with, with that proposed addition. So tonight, the role of the Board of Adjustment is to approve, uh, approve with conditions or deny the application based on the facts presented. To approve the special exception, the board must find that it meets all applicable approval criteria, which includes specific standards uh, pertaining to this waiver and then general standards that apply to all special exceptions. So the new standards, which will be codified at 144B4C10, uh, are for self-service storage uses uh, in CC2 zones. And there are four different standards for this. Uh, the first is that all self-service storage units or areas shall be completely within conditioned space as defined in the building code, and no outdoor storage is allowed. So with the proposed use, they would uh, completely occupy that existing building uh, they would also have that small addition on the back, uh, but it is all included in conditioned space, which is a uh, space that's enclosed within the building, a thermal envelope, and that is directly or indirectly heated or cooled. So it is climate controlled facility uh, and outdoor storage is not proposed as part of the project. The second criteria is that 
Units uh, shall not be individually accessible from the outside and no more than two garage or overhead doors shall provide access into the building. And those do doors shall be at the rear of the building. So with the proposed use, uh, the storage units are not individually accessible from the outside. Excuse me, I don't know. Hopefully that works. They're not uh, accessible from the outside, uh, so you can only access them through the building. Uh, and then there are two overhead storage doors in the rear that provide access into the storage areas. So the standard is met. The third standard is a little longer. Uh, it's that a substantial portion of the front building facade must accommodate other allowable commercial uses, uh, which means that those self-service storage units aren't, aren't allowed within the first 30 feet uh, as measured from the roof overhang except for a primary entrance to the store, which can be up to 30% of the facade. And that primary entrance that can be up to 30% of the facade could be, for example, hallway, lobby, retail storefront, et cetera. Uh, and individual units aren't allowed within that area. So with this particular project, the proposed use fronts Pepperwood Plaza parking area uh, to the north. So that is the front facade. Uh, and all self-service storage areas and units are about 30, 33 feet from that uh, front building overhang. Uh, and there is a primary entrance from that front facade, but it's only about 5% uh, of the area. So the remainder of the facade, about 51% uh, is proposed to be outdoor patio space, and then another 44% is proposed to be commercial space. Uh, and so around 95% of the facade is, is anticipated to be a commercial use. As for the second story, that also applies there. Uh, it could be occupied by additional commercial uses, but it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, as long as it doesn't have those self-service storage uses in it. And the final specific criteria is that uh, buildings containing self-service storage uses shall be considered a large retail use as it relates to the site development standards uh, for this zone. So buildings containing it, shall be considered that uh, as we review the site development standards uh, and staff shall ensure compliance with those standards during site plan and review. Just to give you an idea as to what those standards are, uh, there are things such as uh, standards related to facades and exterior walls, such as projections and visual interest. Uh, there are standards related to building details, changes in color, texture, materials, uh, or, uh, or uh, recess or projection. Uh, there are some roof detail standards about concealing HVAC units and providing multiple roof planes. Uh, there are standards regarding building materials uh, that, that talk about what are appropriate building materials for the outside. Then there are some standards uh, related to entryways. So with some of these minor modifications may be possible uh, where the configuration of the lot or other existing physical condition of the lot makes the application of a specific standard impractical. So this building is an existing building. It is double fronting. So staff does anticipate that some of these standards will probably be waived through minor modification during site plan. Uh, just wanted to be upfront with that, but otherwise they do have to comply with these standards and, and we have a condition regarding that as well. So for the general standards, then there are seven general standards that relate to all special exceptions. The first is that the specific proposed exception will not be detrimental to or endanger public health, safety, comfort, or general welfare. So in the case of this project, it occupies an existing building and there are a few site changes so that limits negative impacts that we would expect. Um, there are some downsides where converting a large retail space to another use may decrease the availability of certain goods 
uh, and services to neighboring residential areas, but there are recent trends that are negatively impacting the demand for such spaces, uh, such as online retail, expansion of e-commerce, uh, the decline of brick and mortar stores generally, uh, and spaces that remain vacant for long periods of time can lead to deferred maintenance uh, and blight eventually. Uh, in addition, the proposed uh, the proposed use does have those small scale commercial storefronts along the front facade. So that does provide some opportunity that's smaller in the community that allows uh, space for entrepreneurs. Uh, and those can also provide goods and services near residential areas, though it won't be at the same scale, of course, as a, as a large retail space. Uh, there are also positives with the improvements of the north and south building facades uh, that will positively impact the appearance of the area and the outdoor patio uh, will encourage a, an active pedestrian friendly frontage. And so staff does believe this criteria is met. The second criteria is that it won't uh, injure the use and enjoyment of property in the immediate vicinity or negatively impact property values. Uh, again, the project is an existing building with few site changes so there are limited impacts to surrounding buildings. Um, improvements to the north and south facades will improve the appearance and provide a, a positive impact in that way. Uh, and again, there aren't as much, there isn't as much demand for large retail spaces. So finding alternative uses for such spaces is beneficial for nearby businesses, especially if it can support uh, small business uses. Uh, and the proposed use in commercial space along the front facade can help promote economic activity and drive some traffic to the site, uh, though it would be at a lesser scale than that large retail client again. Uh, but based on these findings, staff does believe that this criteria is also met. The third is that it won't affect uh, normal and orderly development and improvement of surrounding properties uh, within the area. So the, the, the Pepperwood Plaza area in the neighborhood to the south is fully developed with a mix of uses. Um, staff doesn't anticipate any negative impact uh, if there was additional redevelopment nearby, because again, it will occupy the building and there are limited changes to the site. Uh, and staff does believe that improvements to the facade will make the building more visually appealing from the north and south, uh, which should help with that as well. So staff finds this criteria met as well. The fourth is that there are adequate utilities, access roads, drainage, and or necessary facilities. Uh, again, the property is already developed, and so it has all, all necessary facilities in the area, excuse me, including drainage. Uh, and staff will review it as well for applicable standards during site plan and building permit review as we would uh, any other use. Fifth criteria is that adequate measures have been or will be taken to provide ingress or egress uh, designed to minimize traffic congestion on public streets. So access to this property is available from Cross Park Avenue to the south and then also through the Pepperwood Plaza parking area to the north. So that includes a private street which is called Pepperwood Lane. Uh, and there are currently no changes being proposed for those drives, the parking areas, uh, or the uh, existing access. Now, the loading area would be accessed from Cross Park Avenue, um, which is the street to the south, uh, which includes filling in that ramp, adding an addition, and there would be those loading doors back there, uh, but there are no proposed changes to the method or routes of vehicular access. So staff finds that this criteria is met. The six standards is that it has to comply in all the respects uh, to the zoning code, except for the proposed exception. So the building does meet all dimensional standards that are within the zoning code, and it would contain approximately 570 storage units 
and somewhere between 2,700 and uh, 5,400 square feet of shopping center uses. So that would require 18 to 29 parking spaces. Uh, within the Pepperwood Plaza parking area, all of their parking is shared uh, and there's more than enough parking uh, at the moment. Uh, bicycle parking is also required uh, to be confirmed during site plan review. In addition, there are standards relating to pedestrian routes, uh, specifically between buildings to abutting right-of-way sidewalks, uh, and then through parking areas. So the north side uh, of the proposed use has pedestrian routes already established. So they are along the frontage, they're through the parking area as well. Um, but the area to the south doesn't really have a pedestrian access. Uh, because this is a non-conforming development, staff does uh, recommend that there be a condition uh, that there be a demarcated pedestrian route from the sidewalk to the rear entrance that's proposed for the use uh, to be demarcated specifically where it crosses those parking drives. Uh, that would be to, to help ensure safe pedestrian travel and to, to meet the standards of the zoning code. In addition, the site is across uh, cross Park Avenue from a residential zone, the, the uh, RM12 zone, uh, and parking and loading areas south of the building should have S3 screening. Again, it's a non-conforming development, so staff recommends a condition that that screening be provided along the Cross Park Avenue right-of-way as well. Uh, and then finally, all site development standards for CC2 zones shall be met prior to uh, site plan approval uh, or shall require minor modifications. That does include uh, compliance with the large retail use standards that I had previously mentioned, uh, again, at 14.2C6K. Uh, and because this is a non-conforming development, staff does recommend that that be a condition of approval as well. Uh, arguably, the condition wouldn't be needed because it's included in, in the approval standards and wouldn't be able to establish otherwise, uh, but staff uh, still believes that that condition is beneficial to put in, uh, in the recommendation. Uh, and then otherwise, staff will ensure compliance with all applicable standards during site plan and building permit review. And the final criteria is that it has to be consistent with the comprehensive plan of the city as amended. So the future land use maps show this area as general commercial in the comprehensive plan and commercial in the South District plan. Uh, and there are goals of increasing the property tax base by attracting businesses that have growth potential and that are compatible with Iowa City's economy. Uh, the South District plan also notes uh, the changes in retail that are currently impacting shopping centers like Pepperwood Plaza. Uh, and it does note that facade improvements, landscaping improvements can help uh, entice shoppers to linger, can help foster a sense of place, uh, and that would hopefully improve the prospect for small businesses as well. Uh, and then again, the facade improvements and the small commercial storefronts can uh, act as a starting space for small businesses, uh, which can help encourage a healthy mix of independent locally owned businesses and supports entrepreneurial activity, which is also goals of the comprehensive plan. So based on these findings, staff recommends approval of EXE 21-0015 to allow self-service storage use in a community commercial CC2 zone for the property at 947 Highway 6 East, subject to three conditions. First, installing landscaping to the S3 standard uh, as detailed in the city code. Uh, along the subject property's Cross Park Avenue frontage prior to issuance of a certificate of occupancy. Uh, if it's in a poor planting season, it could be delayed uh, as we as a standard practice in the city. Uh, and the landscaping plan must be approved by the city forester prior to issuance of a building permit. Uh, second, establishment of a pedestrian route from the sidewalk on Cross Park Avenue to the entrance to, on the south building facade 
uh, that is demarcated where it crosses parking areas by colored pavement, pavement markings or other similar methods uh, to be approved prior to issuance of a building permit. Uh, and then three, all site development standards for CC2 zones, including compliance with standards relating to large retail uses at 14 to C6K shall be met prior to site plan approval or shall receive minor modifications as allowed by the zoning code. And that concludes staff's presentation on this item. Thanks, Kirk. Any uh, questions for staff by the board? So, um people that are that rent storage units they'll be able to access from the front or the rear but when they're putting things into their units or taking things out of their units are they doing it on the south side only or can they do it from the north side so you could do it from the north side if you wanted to carry your stuff through the building um so i'm pulling up the the site planning and that kind of shows those storage areas uh, it's kind of odd because this is flipped upside down. So the north is on the bottom side of the screen, the south is on the oh, top. Okay. Uh, but you can see that there's that small entrance. I doubt that most users would probably use that entrance uh, if they're unloading things. I imagine that they would use the south building entrance, which is where they actually have their loading docks. Uh, but they could conceivably, if they had something small or they wanted to grab something small, they could walk through the front and, and do it that way as well. Okay. Is there an interior stairway there? Elevator? There is an interior stairwell, and I believe that they're installing an elevator, but I will rely on the applicant to speak to that. I believe that the elevator is located uh, on that, that rear side, so it would allow people to take stuff upstairs. So does the loading area allow for more than one vehicle at a time? So it would allow for two based on the site plan. Is there a, a doorway to walk in on the south side or as in addition to the the garage doors correct yeah so you can see on the south side uh which is this bottom image on the elevations there is a door proposed there okay and that's where we're proposing that there be a pedestrian walkway across to the mm. sidewalk so it can be accessed through it all right and then there would also be the the entrance uh to the north would be on the top image the rightmost entrance. So it's a relatively small entrance relative to the rest of the uses on the facade. Any other questions for Kirk at this time? Okay, we will now hear from the applicant. Is it, can you hear me okay? Yes. All right. Hello there. I'm Caleb Wilson from Southgate Companies. Thanks for having us tonight and for your questions on this so far and, and uh, reviewing this with us. So I just want to tell a, a little bit about the background of this project for the benefit of the Board of Adjustment. I shared the same information with uh, planning and zoning and city council, as well as we've worked through this process. So. Um, how we got here in proposing this project and this use for this building. Uh, and I'll try to keep the story as short as possible, but I think it's good background to have for, for why we're proposing this use. So we became aware that, that Slumberland was going to be moving to Corville in the fall of 2020. 
So it's been just over a year. It was in, I think it was in early October, 2020. So since then, we've been exploring alternative uses for this space and, and looking to see what would, what would be a good long-term sustainable use for this building. So as it's shared in the staff report, it's roughly 39,000 square feet. And so we've explored many uses of, of how this space could be repurposed and, and utilized best for the community and for the long-term use of the building. So we engaged the city very early on in the process and really started working with them and then also um, their retail consultant who they'd engaged and who has helped with other projects in the city where there's been large retail uses that have left. And uh, so we, we started listing the property right away and started working with this retail consultant. And our first route to explore was typical retail use. Uh, it's pretty hard to repopulate a space of this size, but we considered demising it down into say like three big retail spaces that were like 10,000 plus square feet first. And as we explored those uses from what we experienced, there was no real interest in any of that as we explored it. So we've had it listed on the market uh, since that time we worked with a consultant and we really had no good leads for that specific use. So we've explored a variety of, of different uses along the way. Self-storage is one that we became aware of because you have seen this trend nationally where big spaces like this, where there's a tenant that moves out, uh, they get repurposed for this use. And this space, particularly at Pepperwood Plaza, I'm assuming you're all fairly familiar with that shopping center, but this building is fairly far set back from the highway, which is really not how shopping centers are developed anymore. A lot of the times the use is right up on the main road and it's just more visible. So that was something that uh, we knew it was going to be more difficult to get a big user back in there. And there had been a, a pretty wide variety of retail space available. And in the L next door is what we call it, the, the L-shaped retail building that is a single story or lower ceiling that Parkview Church now owns. And so we, we made a lot of effort to try to get it refilled that way. We, we were aware of the self-storage use and we uh, continued to explore that, worked with the city to know, you know, what, what are the steps it would take for that to be an allowable use there? Because in the zoning code, it was not at the time. So worked with them through the planning and zoning process, uh, through the city council process to get that zoning code text amendment passed. And now here for the board of adjustment for our special exception application. Um, one thing we did in that process was we talked with community members about what they wanted to see in the space. And when we first were approaching self-storage, our thought was make the entire building self-storage. And the desire was expressed that there'd be the retail character, the center would be somewhat lost if it was all self-storage. And the idea was presented to us and, and brought up with us is what if we carved off part of that front and made that those retail spaces as we're proposing today. So that was feedback we got from people in the community as something that they were looking for. And that's how we've tried to design the project to, to meet that request. So we see an opportunity to create a long-term sustainable uh, business in a self-storage uh, that is a need in the community that is unmet and that will again, be financially viable long-term and create these smaller spaces. That'll be nice retail spaces that we would like to keep relatively affordable by having a good business behind it. And there's been a, a lot of interest in those small retail spaces and people do seem to be uh, excited about that. So that is a little bit about how we got to proposing this. And uh, I think Kirk explained the, the report's very detailed about uh, the layout of the project, uh, what we're trying to accomplish. 
And so I'll address the specific questions that were brought up and then I'm open to any other questions that you all have. So I think the access questions were answered as far as the front and rear and how people get in. There was an elevator question. There would be an elevator installed that would be in the rear of the building. And that's necessary for hauling kind of larger items uh, up to that second floor. And then I think the loading area question was addressed as well. So uh, what other questions do you have for me? I didn't see how big are the units? So they're, they're, they vary in size. So we um, are working with a, a group who does the layouts for those units and they do these kind of rehabs all over the, the country and they're recommending a, a unit mix layout. And that's what we're going with for now. But uh, it, there's a pretty wide variety of sizes. I think they're as small as what's the smallest brand? Yeah, five by five up to 15 by 10. Does it get bigger? Yep. So really what we're trying to do is have a good mix of units and not have too many that are too big, too many that are too small. Again, you're trying to meet the, the demand that's in the market. And we don't want to build them out and have their own sizes be available. What other questions do you have for me? Any other questions? Yep. Caleb, thank you. Thank you. Is there any member of the public who wishes to speak uh, for the applicant? Is there any member of the public who wishes to speak against the application? There's nobody responding. There's no need to respond to any comments from the public. Uh, any additional questions for staff at this time? Nope. All right. I'm going to go ahead and close the public hearing. So the public hearing is now closed. Any need for discussion now, or should we go ahead and motion to put the item on the table and second it for discussion? I'll make a motion that we uh, consider EXC 21-0015. I can second. Bryce? Discussion? I like looked up there like <laughs> Well, I think it's a, a good use of the space. I think that um, we, it's important to keep something in that space um, just for the vitality of that area of the city. And um, this seems to check, you know, cover a lot of uses or a lot of needs. Um, so sounds like a good, good project. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big space to, to own right now in the world today and what's happening with those large, uh, retail spaces. So I think it's really, uh, inventive and again, an opportunity to, uh, enhance the look of the building in the area in general. All right, if uh, there's no other discussion, does somebody want to make the findings of fact? Uh, yeah, 
regarding item EXC 21-0015, I concur with the findings set forth in the staff report of October the 13th, 2021, and conclude that the general and specific criteria are satisfied. Unless amended or opposed by another board member, I recommend that the board adopt the findings in the staff report for the approval of this proposal. Do we need to list out the staff recommendations or is that pretty sum summarizing oh. and saying we, is I that necessary that we actually read I, that off? I think you can probably just say with the conditions included in the staff report. Yeah, and that includes the conditions in the staff report, the additional conditions in the staff report. Perfect. All right, any other comments? All right, roll call please. Carlson, Chrysalis? Yes. Pretorius? Yes. Parker? Yes. Russo? Yes. Okay, this motion is declared approved. Any person desiring to appeal this decision to a court of record may do so within 30 days after the decision is filed at the city clerk's office. Thank you. All right, moving on to item four on the agenda, consideration of amendments to the Board of Adjustments bylaws. Okay, so I do have kind of a presentation just to pop up what they are so that we can all look at it at the same time if we are, are interested in that. Uh, this came along through two different routes. Uh, so the first to Article 5, Section 1, it's, it's discussed in your staff report packet, but basically, basically it's an outcrop uh, of recommendations by planning and zoning commission that were adopted by council or that that council wanted to pursue uh, tied to increasing notification, making sure that neighbors were aware of things. So that included things like uh, increasing who letters were sent to. So if there are multifamily units, for example, uh, that are independently listed in the assessor, it's really relatively easy to pull that information and to send letters to the occupants. Uh, it also included increasing the radius uh, that we notify by. So instead of 300 feet, increasing that to 500 feet. Then there are some other that are specifically tied to planning and zoning. So certain ones would have mandatory good neighbor meetings. Uh, and then finally, trying to increase the opportunity for, for uh, electronic notification where possible. Um, so that's something that staff is still working on that. Staff believes that that's better met by a more comprehensive policy adopted by, by the city. Uh, however, the other ones specifically relating to who letters are sent to and how far they're sent uh, are covered in the Board of Adjustments bylaws. So uh, for, for P&Z, for example, it's not included in their bylaws. That would be through an independent policy. Uh, but, but for the Board of Adjustment, it would be through your bylaws or your uh, Board of Adjustment procedures, I guess, is, is the technical term for them. So we did uh, provide some proposed language for you with that section that would uh, increase who, who those letters were sent to. Uh, I, I don't feel like I need to read them since they are included in your packet, but just wanted to give you that background uh, verbally as well. Uh, but it, it's essentially doing uh, what I had just talked about. And then that second proposed change would be to Article 6, Section 10. Uh, and this came uh, as a request by uh, Amy 
uh, with the who wanted to be able to e either second uh, or make a motion. Uh, and Sue did a, a review of of other boards uh, and commissions within the city and, and found that it's really only the Board of Adjustment and Planning and Zoning where that is the case, where, where it's not allowed. Uh, and um, city council is allowed to do it. It's really just Board of Adjustment, Planning and Zoning. And so the second possible thing that you can consider is, is changing this to make it so that the chair would be able to make a motion or second. Uh, and then as far as outcomes, I don't have a, outcome or recommendation slide or anything for you, but you can either choose to adopt one or both or neither, uh, depending on your preference. And uh, once you would vote, I believe it would go to city council and Sue can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But that's really the process. All, all bylaws are formally adopted by council. So uh, if you are interested in one or both, you are able to do so. And we will still do a, our regular review of the bylaws in January but this is just two, two specific changes that we would uh, possibly happen. We discuss and vote on them separately. Doesn't matter. However you wanna do it. Yeah, we can vote on them separately. Yeah, and this is and, not like a public hearing. Yeah, anything, okay. So. Yeah. But P and Z, do, do, they, do they then have a, have they set a 500 foot radius? Um, there's currently a draft policy that city is working through, uh, and it wouldn't actually go to PNZ. It would go directly to council. So that is not yet changed for planning and zoning commission applications. Well, theirs is still what? Currently, it's 300. still 300. And they don't send it to the occupants either. Currently. This, what is the draft language? Uh, let me pull it up. Sorry. Oh, the screen was not shared for you. I just realized that now. So the draft language uh, is that it's sent to all property owners and to all non-duplicative individual occupants when available on the city assessor's website within 500 feet of the subject property. So that would be the change for that. And the change for the other section would be it would just cross off other than the chair as to who can make and second motions. Okay, thanks. I have a question for you. Um, um, 300, 500 versus 300, is it any specific number changed just to 500 versus any other number? Just curious. Uh, that was the recommendation made by planning and zoning. And so that's, uh, that's what we have uh, proceeded I, with. I, I was just kind of wondering if that's far enough. <laughs> thousand yeah <laughs> well, i don't know it has become too too difficult for the city to you know i suppose the more you go out further you go out then the more people you have to notify so we did at the time that this was being discussed by planning and zoning we did an analysis of the difference in how many public letters got sent out depending on where you were in the city i mean it very much depends if you're in a rural area it's very different than if you're downtown for example uh, I, I don't have those figures on hand. Uh, all I know is that what, what council ended up uh, recommending for us to move forward with was the 500 foot and uh, the ones that we can easily access. So there, there are ways to access, for example, if you have a multifamily property, that's a single parcel, uh, which some older properties might be that way, that wouldn't go to the occupants. Um, 
once you have to start looking up all that information, that does become a lot more difficult to, to figure out. But as long as you're using the assessor's information, sending it directly to the units, sending it to the property owners, that's all relatively easy to do. It does require more letters to, to be sent out and some more staff time with that, but. Is there a, uh, is there a standard length to a city block? 300, I was just gonna add that. That's why you'll see 300 quite often. So. I mean, if it's in the city at 300, I mean, is that the radius of concern, typically one block or should it be more? It depends. I think that this has been something that's been discussed frequently it's throughout. Like, it's almost like uh, the the project should be weighted or graded, you know, uh, as to, I mean, I don't know how you do that, but as the impact and, and the corresponding, you know, radius from that, I don't know. I feel I feel like the big projects are um, those people come anyways almost essentially right. You do have the signage that you put out right, and from a, yeah from across town, or they're following the politics and whatnot. You tend to get those people are two miles away, and they're they're coming when there's this big projects. I I I think so. I could see it getting a little ridiculous. You try to go too far out, it probably gets pretty expensive and maybe yeah. like difficult at that point in time. Asking to hire like a whole another staff person for the city to. To take care of it. feet then would be a block and a half. So now it, that's a little silly, doesn't it? It's almost like it should be two blocks or one block, whatever that. But this is what city council has adopted? This is what they told us to okay. move forward with. Okay. That seems more arbitrary. I guess the more important part is probably the one that precedes it about the non-duplicative individual occupants when available in the city's assessor's website. So people that maybe not normally would have been informed are now going to be informed yeah oh i don't have a problem with this at all no i don't either all right um uh, someone want to make a motion to approve the proposed change to article 5 section 1 of the bylaws so moved okay, second okay i can second um we need a roll call on this carlson crisillis Yes. Pretorius. Yes. Parker. Yes. Russo. Yes. Perfect. Um, do I need to do the same language that I do with most of them? No. Okay. Motion carries. Uh, I did bring this one up. <laughs> <laughs> so just some background. Uh, you know, I don't, I can't speak to the planning and zoning city council, but I think, you know, our attendance tends to wax and wane a little bit more on the board of adjustments and we can be a rather small group of people on occasion. I've been to multiple meetings now. I haven't been here that long, but there's only been uh, three of us. You know, we've, and sometimes it's been kind of on the cusp of it's a third person going to show up. Can we even have the meeting tonight? So I, I think this allows for a little bit more flexibility and on some past board meetings, I'm not, I don't necessarily think I have to mention which one it was, but had some members of the public that kind of mentioned, you know, um, uh, maybe the chair shouldn't be so opinionated, um, essentially, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but when I kind of got down to the, the brass tacks of it, it kind of felt like in the position of the, uh, the chairperson for this board, felt a little voiceless on occasion and a, a little helpless. And it's just simply not what I joined uh, the board of adjustments to do. Um, I don't, I, I don't mind chairing the, the board. 
but I, I definitely would love to have some more involvement perhaps on occasion than I, than I um, currently am able to. And again, if it's good enough for city council, I feel like it should be good enough for here. So yeah, I, I of course for this. Question for Sue. Um, so you did a re little research and found that this particular condition, having the chair unable to second or uh, make or second a motion, that's just, how did that get started? Or that's not a condition of, of, of you know, the, the official rules of order or, right. or of any... Not in a state law. In Robert's rules, of course, if you had a big body, say 100 people, yeah. then you the chair, it seems, well, they recommend the chair not be able to move or second to show be more impartial. Yeah. But here, of course, the chair is crucial to a vote because you need three. Right, right. So anytime, be it the chair or acting chair, um, you're going to have to, you're going to be defend, you're going to be dispositive of the vote on a five person requiring three. So it's, a, it's a little, I couldn't figure out why. No, so there's no, there's no huge precedent that, no. that says, no. you know, you should do this. Right. And well, of course, I know when I was chair, I, I did feel the same way a couple of times, you know, like, like you were subdued, you were forced to be subdued or you couldn't, but so, so anyway, okay. Yeah, and you're like the only person I think that's been chair. We have such a new board, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, it's hard to know exactly what that feeling is like. You're kind of sitting here just like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's not me. I, I can't do anything. So right. yeah. And I, this was actually a great alternative to, you know, stepping down from the chair position and letting somebody else step up. Cause it's saying at the end of the day, right now, Bryce isn't here. Gene, you've already done your time as chairperson and everybody else is fairly um, new to the board. So it's kind of, right. you know, we're just not in a great position even for that to be a scenario. Right. Yeah, it makes, I think it makes sense. Agree. Would someone want to make a motion uh, to approve the proposed change to Article 6, Section 10? So moved. There's a second? Second. And roll call. Carlson, Crisillas. Yes. Pretorius. Yes. Parker. Yes. Russo. Yes. All right. Motion carries. Uh, moving on to the consideration of the meeting minutes from September 8th. I wasn't present. <laughs> I move that we accept the meeting minutes of September 8th, 2021 as submitted we don't always need a second but is there a second i'll second all right uh, all those in favor vote i think aye aye, aye. <laughs> all right and any announcements uh yes so uh, mark's term technically ends end of December, since that he's carrying on Zephin's turn, uh, you're reapplying. So I believe. And then for November, we're not going to have a meeting just because we don't have any applications. So you can take a month off and enjoy the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Nice. Good. And there's a training session. Uh, I think 
we'll probably do a training session in mid next year. I think that that's when we did our most recent. I'm, I'm sorry. There, there was oh, yes, absolutely. There is also a training session uh, that I had emailed you the information on. Yeah. And it, it should be in your inboxes. And if you have questions, I can bring it up. But I did not bring that information with me. <laughs> Yes, there is for open meetings and open records specifically. So any other announcements? Perfect. Uh, at this time, I'll ask for someone to make a motion to adjourn. I'll make that motion. Thank you. A second. Second. Meeting is adjourned. Thank you.